Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, everybody, welcome to See Westworld Right. It's Stephen Ray Morris here, and apologies for this coming late, but oh my gosh, I mean, I'm kind of glad I waited a day or two just because this weekend was a little bananas trying to, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how to record remotely and all that stuff. So (laughs) we're all, everything's a little nuts, but, and this episode was nuts, and I loved it. I mean, wow, I'm glad I, I'm glad I had the time to sit here and soak it in because this is episode two, season three, the winter line. And just when I thought, just when I, last week, I think I was saying like, Oh, I'm so glad we're going back to basics. No timey wimey, no wibbly wobbly. Uh, this episode definitely throws a few interesting things into the mix. And yeah, it was never going to be, it was never going to be easy, but the folks at Westworld decided to throw a couple wrenches in, and this episode mostly focuses on Maeve and Thandie Newton's character and uh, uh, Bernard, Jeffrey Wright's character. We don't see Dolores or Caleb, uh, the, the uh, one of our new heroes, as played by Aaron Paul. And yeah, I'm going to dive in again. I'm going to try and recap the episode as best I can. But 
for for sake of simplicity, I'll probably just be jumping back and forth between which character storyline we follow. But I mean, this episode is this episode was easy to follow, but it's just because I, I think that's you know when people think about season two, and I think some of the problems with that season was sometimes it was just hard to follow what was actually going on. But this episode, I think, feels like season one in the sense that you you know what's going on but at the same time there's implications that you're just like what you know just like what is actually going on here and that to me felt exciting it to me resetting not resetting Maeve's journey but (laughs) almost thinking you are and then pulling the rug out from under was so exciting and it just I it's funny because I feel like I, I went I try not to read any reviews of the episode or any articles about the episode before I watch before I do this recap. So I watched the episode. I watched the sneak peek for the following week and I watched the little behind the scenes that's included uh, with the episode and all this kind of plays in tandem in the HBO now app. So, and obviously before the episode starts, they play like a last time on Westworld. So I pretty much watch just that. And then I jump into this. Sometimes I'll look up, you know, like the Wikipedia for the episode, like I have now, if I just need to clarify any plot points or sort of characters names or things like that. So anyway, last, the first episode ended with basically it wasn't even yeah it was a post credit scene i think revealing that mave is in war world that she's indeed in nazi occupied italy during world war ii and i what i like about the episode is that it's almost in the sense that you're like okay we've been here before mave's been here before she's gonna wake up after being killed and then she's gonna fuck with the system and get out and or find her daughter or something like that but not everything is as it seems. And so I think that's another thing of like what season one did really well is kind of getting you into these rhythms. And then what season one was great about was then changing it ever so slightly, pulling the rug out from under what you thought you knew, stuff like that. So I think this episode really achieved that in a really cool and fun way. And so I love the return of Hector Rodrigo Centero as Hector. But again, it's like that thing of like... It, it it's fun to be along with the character in that sense. I think what happens a lot nowadays in media is this idea that you kind of know more than the main character. And so there's a lot of like dramatic irony involved in that. But sometimes it pulls the weight out of moments because you already know what's going to happen. And I think this episode really kind of puts you back in the shoes of Maeve and with her new 50s or 40s do uh Hector's back this time he's uh he's like a resistance soldier uh against you know maybe part of the allies or something what for me one of the things that I loved about the Harry Potter books that the movies could never replicate is the passage of time and having have these events happen over and over again so it's playing with rhythm a lot and I think I'm hoping that Westworld this season it is going to be doing that more. I mean, see again, I'm not to keep harping back to season one, but I really like that about season one. So also the thing I like about this episode is that it blows the lid off. So just more, this is going to be the bigger spoilers from here on out. Uh, what Maeve eventually learns is because she escapes kind of like the way she did in season one, but things are weird. It's like uh, Lutz and Sylvester return and you're like, Oh great. Oh, they don't recognize her. And you're like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden, 
Lee Sizemore, Simon Quarterman's character, returns and he's like, I survived and I just have this limp and everything and I'm going to help you get out and go to the Forge, which is where at the end of season two, if you remember, that was where the where Anthony Hopkins character, you know, the one of the creators created a like Garden of Eden for the hosts. And so like a bunch, you know, I think Teddy's in there and um, Aki Akichita and um, Maeve's daughter. And so they're safe. But at the end of season two, Dolores shot the coordinates somewhere, not to Delos, but to somewhere else. And what happens is that <laughs> I like, and again, I like this, the, the way that it's triggered is that all of a sudden, you, cause you think in this moment, it's like, oh my gosh, Lee like fell in love dying to save Maeve. But Maeve is like, mm, the, this, this person would never fall in love with somebody like that and become obsessed with them. I love that as a reveal. And then you learn that. Maeve isn't in Westworld or she's in Westworld, but that is inside another simulation. And so a big chunk of the episode is her discovering that and trying to get out. And it involves a plot of like basically trying to overload the system and reveal who is trapped, where Maeve is trapped. And it it very much reminds me of, you know, almost like the matrix. It's very much like the matrix. And, you know, there's a whole scene where basically the whole uh, the whole like journey of her, um, her whole journey this episode is trying to just overload the system and find out where she actually is. So she's in Westworld or Warworld inside of another simulation, and it's very much like the brains and vats sort of thing. I mean, it, it it's it's much more like mundane almost rather than like you know maybe waking up in like a tube of jelly and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's I appreciate that they. It, it, almost watching this episode too, it was almost this fear of like, oh no, is Maeve going to be trapped in a simulation the whole season and is trying to get out? And in a way, I like that the episode busts the door down and at the very end of the episode, I'm just jumping ahead, at the very end of the episode, Maeve wakes up and it's like, oh no, this is Ciroc. The His name was mentioned in the first episode because there was the guy that played by Liam Gallagher Jr. that Dolores was trying to cozy up to to access Rebo Reboban. I'm not, I don't know. I don't remember the real name of the thing offhand, but the giant AI uh, dome thing that like is basically making LA better. I don't. <laughs> it's not entirely clear, but essentially, Sirac, who's played by the very great Vincent Cassell, uh, he was in. I'm trying to think of some really good movies he was in. Um, a history of violence. No, no, not a history of violence. He was in the other Eastern Promises, the David Cronenberg film. But essentially, Vin Sirac built a simulation for Maeve because he thinks that Maeve was a threat to the human race, but actually it's Dolores. But and instead, I think it worked in his favor where he's like, well, now I want Maeve to work for me in order to kill Dolores, which actually syncs up with Bernard's journey where at the end of episode one, he's, he wants to go back to Westworld. And I really like that, you know, all theme parks have delays. And I think about Jurassic world and Claire's just like, we never reopen. And it's like, I don't know. Stuff happens all the time at, you know, theme parks and disasters happen all the time and stuff is reopened. And I kind of like, as Bernard goes back to Westworld, he, you know, it's almost just like, well, the park is open, but, you know, it's kind of a shadow of its former self. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. But 
but you know, you got to get those, you got to keep make cranking out those sequels, you know, you got to get stuff back out there. And so he basically enlists the help of Stubbs. And I like that this was a big Luke Hemsworth episode. I love the idea that once he realizes he's a host, he's like, well, I just got to get on with it. You know, it's this kind of like blue collar kind of mentality of there isn't this great existential crisis. It's more of like, well, how, you know, what's the practical side and and how do I work this? Which is Stubbs's character essentially goes back to his main directive, which is to, which was to help, Bernard escaped the park. Dr. Ford wanted uh, Bernard to escape the park. But all of a sudden now Bernard is back at the park in order to find Maeve to fight Dolores. And Stubbs kind of doesn't know what to do with himself, but he helps Bernard anyway, which is I think this episode was was which was him trying to find Maeve, but also find out if Dolores has truly hacked his programming. And I think that little seed is planted for later you know there both both of these two episodes so far have bernard worried that dolores is actually listening in or something like that and so we haven't gotten any indication that this is happening but i think they're setting it up for later and just got to jump into the biggest thing right now which is not only do so right now there's westworld the raj which is the british colonialism world there's shogun world war world World War II world, and then it's revealed that the that the other world. So in the original Westworld, there was Westworld, there was Roman world, and there was medieval world. And of course, the reveal is that there's a medieval world, but it is a Game of Thrones world in this big meta. What the fuck? Like you just see, okay, you see, like they show very kind of generic medieval stuff. And then you're like, there's one of the dragons from Game of Thrones. There is, I believe, Cersei's outfit. There's like just this very kind of, you just, I'm not kind of, I mean, it truly is. You see the, uh, some of the iconography from Game of Thrones. And I just think that, that that is brilliant. I, and they actually have Ben Off and Weiss, the creators of Game of Thrones, playing essentially like the Lutz and, um, Lutz and Sylvester kind of characters, like just people working down in the, down in the depths, you know, the grunts. Uh, but they're just kind of sitting at a table, like playing cards essentially with this giant robot <laughs> host dragon. And I just was like, I think that idea of like, it, it, it's one of those things that I'm like, oh, this was so obvious. Like, of course, if they're going to have a medieval world, they're going to, <laughs> it's going to be Game of Thrones. It just, it just, it's such a cheeky, those cheeky bastards, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Dolan. And H- I'm sure HBO appreciated getting some more uh, Game of Thrones imagery out of one of their proper, you know, in extending beyond the life of the show. I think it actually works better now that Game of Thrones is over, though. I think to have it be while Game of Thrones is going on would have been too meta because then you're like, oh wait, is Game of Thrones truly just a a uh a simulate like is is Game of Thrones just another theme park in in Westworld, which is essentially they're saying yes it is. But then that makes me think, what if you go back and watch Game of Thrones and you're like, which characters are which characters are actually guests in the park going on an adventure? And then it is almost kind of like because there's the books which aren't finished yet and then the season's finished and Strang and the paths, then it just makes me think that like, oh, it's almost like HBO being like, well, look, you know, the the Game of Thrones you saw was just, you know, one person's playthrough of the park. It's maybe not the definitive version. I don't know. It just opens all those doors. But I think it's just... 
I think if they did it during when Game of Thrones is going on, it would have been like, fuck you. But here I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I'm into this. It's kind of kind of hilarious. I don't know. I What did you all think of it? Uh, as somebody who wasn't as emotionally attached to Game of Thrones, I think I'm I'm privileged to have this perspective because I just watched the last season of Game of Thrones without really watching the rest of the show. I watched like an episode here or there. So I was kind of just sitting back as more of a, an observer. But so for me, I kind of love this, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's causing existential crises for Game of Thrones nerds right now that Game of Thrones is just merely a uh, merely a park in in Westworld's greater gallery of parks which so now we only know we're now we're only missing one park and I I get the feeling that we're not going to ever see it. I I kind of hope that they keep it a mystery that this sixth park is a mystery but maybe maybe we'll get a reveal next episode but so anyway, back to back to the the plots and stuff like that. But I mean, it's truly that's it. It's it's Bernard looking for Maeve and kind of this episode is almost like him gathering knowledge. And I love that he I mean, there's very much like a buddy comedy between, you know, Bernard, the sort of neurotic overthinker and Stubbs, the sort of like, let's just get on with it. It's just very like they might as well have given Luke's Hem- Luke Hemsworth like a Chicago accent. Like, eh, the, we're hosts. What do you mean? What's the problem? I just got to do my programming. You know, I think that I mean, that would have been a bit much, but uh, him trying to find Maeve, but also getting prepped for the greater journey ahead and then Maeve realizing that she's in a simulation because maybe this Vincent Cassell it was testing her in a sense. Uh, Sirach was testing her and realizing that, well, it's kind of vague at the end. It's like, is she ready to help or be enlisted into Sirach and to Vincent Cassell's mission to stop Dolores? Or is Maeve still her own independent being? And I really like Maeve as a character because... Unlike Dolores, who, which I, I mean, I love Dolores, but I, it's almost like I think the creators of the show are almost showing like two different sides. Well, and even with Bernard, like three different sides of a host journey. And I think Maeve is almost self actualizing to be a fully independent person, fully rounded and not wanting to be defined by being a host, by being part of this game. It's like, she's going to play the game and cheat the system. She's going to play the game, but also find loopholes and, you know, try and do her own thing. You know, she's going to have fun while doing it, which is what I appreciate about her. But also, again, this idea of being not being defined by it. Whereas I think very much Dolores and Dolores and Bernard, it's almost like their cornerstone, to use a, to use a term from season one and two, I guess, that, you know, they're very much defined by this fight and against hosts versus humans and what sides they can be on. It's very Princess Mononoke. The season feels very Princess Mononoke to me, which if you don't know Princess Mononoke, I'm going to just keep saying it over and over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mononoke Hime. It's uh, an anime. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize for calling it an anime. It's an animated movie by Hayao Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli. And you know spirited away my neighbor totoro all the all the good boys uh kiki's delivery service and princess mononoke which i mentioned in a previous westworld podcast uh the end of season two maybe but oh yeah because bernard is also trying to figure out why dolores kept him alive and they talk about this checks and balances sort of thing it very much reminds me of the matrix where it's like 
you know, it's the, the idea, like the architect eventually says in Reloaded that like this balance of keeping some humans alive keeps the robots in check. And so they're kind of riffing on that same thing. And with Princess Mononoke, there's all these kind of forces. There's the, you know, the... It's very much like, you know, any story where it's like humans are destroying nature and nature's trying to fight back. And there's all these different, these different forces all kind of fighting the same battle against each other, but for different reasons and stuff. And so I like that we have Bernard wanting to get to Maeve. We have Maeve wanting to get out. We have, and everyone, and also in Soraku wants to take down Dolores and Dolores who wants to take over the world. And Caleb who's just like, He's the Charlie in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm just happy to be here. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It feels like, again, because this season's only only eight episodes, so we're we're already six we only have six episodes left so you know it's things are going to be happening quickly but i also appreciate that they are spending time with the characters and i know people don't really enjoy this mode of kind of only focusing on two storyline it's very again like later seasons of game of thrones where like we didn't get any dolores or caleb this season so some people feel shortchanged for development but i but also the reality is that these episodes are like an hour you know a little over an hour long or about an hour long and i i don't feel shortchanged like yes i wonder what caleb and what what dolores are up to but also i appreciate that we really get to soak in the I think if you're jumping too much back and forth, you don't get to really know what may, you know, know what these characters are feeling and thinking as it's happening to them. And, and instead it's just plot pushing forward, pushing forward in this. I, in this mode, I, 
I think it's doing it better, though, than season two in a way. I think it's focusing more on the emotional journeys. I think it makes everything more immediate. So you're not necessarily thinking about what Dolores is up to because we don't really know what Dolores is up to other than kill all humans. So, like... You're not, I was never sitting there during the episode, like, what is Dolores up to? You know, we last left her bleeding in Caleb's arms and possibly, you know, purposefully like her running into Caleb. And so, yeah, it, I'm not, I I think that they've figured out a little bit of what, uh, I think this season three is kind of just a mix of season one and two, but I think uh, in all the best ways. And yeah, I mean, that's not, I feel like there's not really much else to say. I mean, I do want to keep these things a little bit short, but it's, we're already at like 20 minutes, 22 minutes, but what did you think of the episode? Do you like that Game of Thrones is part of Westworld? Like, I really do curious if anybody's, I wonder if now people are starting to map out. Yeah. Like if Game of Thrones was the whole season of the show was just the park narrative. What are the, what are the twists and turns that the non hosts did in order to change the books, you know, to the show and that kind of thing. And do you like the structure of this show so far? Are you excited about what's to come? I do like this. I don't know. I, it, this, this episode was great because I feel like it created a lot of new questions that are like fun and interesting where, again, not to belabor it, but, you know, season two, it's like, I just want to know what's going on. But this I'm like, oh, my God, it's, you know, when the when uh, Lee Sizemore starts to glitch out, you're just like, no way. And I do like that in the first episode, they kind of make fun of the idea of like a simulation in a simulation but I think it's used for a different purpose here. And I like that they were able to sort of justify the return to the park and show us some new things without it being, again, it was kind of like a little prestige, kind of a little switcheroo. You think that this is going to be like this, but I mean, who knows? I might be wrong and maybe Maeve decides, I mean, they've already spoilers, but they've already like shown, I think even in the original teasers, they show Maeve with like a samurai sword all disguised as an assassin. So it's like, we know that Maeve isn't just going to be trapped in the simulation of Westworld the whole season. So, yeah, I think this episode opened it up, opened up season three a bit. And I feel like next episode I watched the teaser and I think the mystery of who Tessa Thompson's character is inside because I'm, because as the season two ended, it's revealed that she, the actual Charlotte Hale, the head of Delos, was killed and Dolores put a new host brain inside of her. But who that is, we don't know yet. And what is Bernard's endgame? Like, now he has a full-time bodyguard with Stubbs, which I'm so excited about. I was like, no, please don't let Stubbs die at the end of this episode. Die for real and and then not have him anymore. I like this idea that now, because Bernard has been on the run, but now he has, like, a bodyguard. And so I'm just excited for that buddy comedy and everything that's to come. So... Man, Dolores, what are you planning? Let me know what you think she's planning, guys, because <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I hope next week I can watch it on Sunday with y'all and post quick, more, more quickly, quicklier, you know, as, as soon as it happens. So we'll see. But again, I hope everyone is staying safe, staying cozy, staying indoors, self-distancing, all that good stuff, but staying sane. 
please everyone stay sane. I, I need all of you to stay sane for me, so thank you. And I can't wait till next week, so cheers. back in to say Costa Rica what reference Jurassic Park somebody mentions the dragon being sold to a buyer in Costa Rica now obviously Jurassic Park doesn't take place in Costa Rica but that's such a very specific reference to the fact that Costa Rica is the closest place to Jurassic Park it was very specific I'm curious if it's merely a reference or if we're going to learn more later who can say Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.